0: Welcome back to another episode of the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I'm very excited today to be here with Boris Berian.
1: Welcome to the show, Boris. Thank you so much for having me. I'm probably more excited than you, so... (laughs) Well,
0: we just met very recently at Dr. Cabral's Reimagine Health Summit, and you were one of the guest speakers there, and I really loved the topic that you were talking about, and that's why I invited you to come on the show, because I think this is something that every single person needs to hear and be aware of in their health journey, and you have an incredible story yourself, and I'll just do a little intro for the audience, and then I'm going to have you share your story so without giving too much away you are a two times chronic illness conqueror (laughs) and that in and of itself is so inspirational to people to hear that you can conquer chronic illness it doesn't have to be a life sentence and at one point you had seven different doctors from mds to energy healers And became extremely frustrated with the shotgun approach applied to your healing journey. And everyone on your healthcare team had different ideas and philosophies on what you should do. And I could absolutely understand the confusion, the anxiety, the stress that you were going through at that time. But what I really love is what came out of that. And that is that your mission to create a real-time understanding in the actions on someone's health. And out of that, you've created your company, Thea Health. Thea being the Greek goddess of insight, which is a very fitting connection as we unlock useful health insights, which weren't possible before. So this is all about the future of health, as well as what's available to us here today. So without further ado, I would love for you to share in greater detail your story of where you came from and how you got to where you're at today as a two-time chronic illness conqueror
1: sure and thank you for the great intro super appreciate it so you know i'm gonna go all the way back to my childhood and when i was three years old i had to flee a war-torn country and move to germany and when i did that you know there was a lot going on in life it was super stressful lots of different factors involved but i got really sick so from the age of about five to seven i was going to doctors all the time and they didn't know what was going on so they sent me to i like to say you know quote unquote health camp but you know i don't know why they say camp (laughs) because i was in this room with it was like 20 different kids you know we we were all in these like dungy dark rooms you would go down the hallways and it would feel like, I don't know if you saw, like, it was like prison cells or like, you know, these like hospitals from like 1910. Very institutionalized. Yeah. You you know, I was like, who's this going to make feel better? (laughs) Exactly. I I feel like I'm being judged or like I did something bad and I'm just trying to be alive as a kid. And so, not to mention you were still quite young
0: and taken away from your parents too, right?
1: That's right. My mom would come visit and sleep there, but like not all the time. So I was just kind of alone. You know, the lines to get food were like prison lines where you like held that, you held that like tray and then they put sludge on it. And you're like, what? (laughs) you know, I don't want to eat that. And, you know, when I was in the rooms with the doctors, They weren't very accommodating, didn't have good bedside manners. So I kind of got a bad vibe from doctors early on. I was like, this is kind of strange. I don't feel safe in this environment, which wasn't conducive to healing. But long story short, they diagnosed me with asthma finally. So I like to say I became top of the cool kids club with my puffers (laughs) where I would run and then wheeze and then I had to use the puffer. And, you know, again, it was like a confidence Uh, you know, hit because you don't want to use that or show weakness. Um, And uh, this was, you know, everyone likes this part, which is like, you know, back growing up in those times, it was the nineties. And if you're an Eastern Eastern European household anyway, when people came over, it wasn't to eat and drink. It was to chain smoke. So, (laughs) you know, it was like everybody was chain smoking, which didn't help anything on my cause. My poor mother would, You know, lock the kids in the door and then put a towel underneath as if that prevented it. It did a little (laughs) bit to her credit, and uh, she felt bad, of course, that it was affecting negatively. But I also understand, you know, these people just lead a war and were trying to cope themselves and cigarettes were this, you know, it's like anything addicting, just take take my brain away from the pain. And I would argue with my parents and my mother, and I got really frustrated. Now the good news was. Uh, I moved to Canada because Germany didn't let us stay. And Canada, I like to say, cured my asthma, which is funny because people were like, how can a country cure it? Well, it was just a change in environment, right? So it took me to a new environment, new things, fresh air. My mom hesitantly stopped smoking because honestly, we would get into the huge fights. Like if I even saw a cigarette near her, I would absolutely lose it and make her feel terrible about it because i'm like how do you how do you do something that hurts me knowingly right and i have bad lungs so of course this is not going to be good so you know she got over it she she quit and so you helped her
0: health as well, even though, and at the time she didn't understand that or, or recognize that.
1: I, th- I think she knew. It's just it was one of those coping mechanisms, right? right? It's like drugs or alcohol or nicotine. yeah, there was the addiction it's,
0: factor. Yeah,
1: you're just like I just need a hit. I just need a hit to feel better. I'm, a, you know, I've I've moved two countries now and lived through a war. So like I I understand that there was things there that wanted her to do it. And to to be fair, when we were in Canada, she would only do it. Like on the balcony or when I wasn't looking or I wasn't around, right? Uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't allow it as they would before. So, um, long story short, there by the age of nine, I you know I was going to this doctor who would test lung capacity and his whole thing was like keep running, you're getting better, stay outside a lot. And so at the age of nine, I, all of a sudden I have a bunk, above lung capacity than most nine year olds. I'm playing soccer every day. And they're like, okay, you can get off the puffer, and I was like. Well, you told me this was for life, you know. So I was—it it was the first time one plus one. I like to say didn't equal two because right. I didn't understand how you, so-called experts, told me one thing. Who are the authority in doing this, and our doctors here to help me? How can I all of a sudden be okay? And that was really—you know—I was always a curious kid, but that really opened my curiosity, and it stuck with me for the rest of my life. Of how was that possible? why didn't we know why was I told all these other things, you know, and going a little bit down further into my life um, when I hit early 20s, I, I liked to make a joke where I thought, okay, you have a chronic disease once if you're lucky enough to fight it off. You can never have one again, right? Like that should be <laughs> that should be a rule. <laughs> you, you the a universal thing. law. <laughs> yeah, like that's you did the hard thing already. So it's like, you know, you only have to do college once. Right. You don't have to do college anymore. Like, why why would that not be true with health? And unfortunately, it's not how it works. So I lost about 50 pounds in three months, and I'm six four, so You know, like I say, six, four individuals, you you gain a bunch of weight, even if it's muscle, no one notices. Right. You lose two pounds, everyone's like, oh, you got skinny, (laughs) you know, so. Right. So when you lose 50, it was a ridiculous amount of weight where if you looked at me, even a month apart, you actually couldn't not react. You had to react. And I, I would too, you know, I would look at myself in the mirror. And I'm like, what? Something is. And extreme. I saw the photos that
0: you shared for yeah. the audience and you really did look emaciated in that. <laughs> like yes. It was like, night and day. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, totally. So um, it's hard. Some not, it used to be hard for me to look at, though, because I was like, I can't even tell who that is. Um, you know, I look like I've been starving for years, essentially, in mm-hmm. like some dungeon. And, you know, my, eye, my I had bags under my eyes in my early 20s. Like, it was just bad. And, you know, I did a bunch of these tests and the diagnosis was severe Crohn's disease. And so they're like, oh, you know, you're really only going to get worse from here because you're really bad already. Like, this is not a joke. My small intestines to my large intestines, just to put some perspective on it, that hole was almost closed because there was so much scar tissue buildup from inflammation. And it was one of the biggest cruxes in me trying to get better because if I would overeat something, I would feel better. Like, so I'm starving. Of course, I want to eat. It would get stuck and then the body would revolt for 12 to 24 hours. not going to get into details, but like, you know, vomiting. And the only thing that helped was I would have to end up in a hospital and do IVs because the IVs would nourish my body quickly and my body would stop spasming, you know, because it would. It was like you threw up everything there is to throw up. Now it's just making sure that nothing's still there and it's going. Right. And I'm like exhausted, you know, yes. slipping yes. on the toilet and <laughs> having having a <laughs> Not very fond memories of that. <laughs> so, yeah. So once all of that happened, I was scheduled for surgery, and I basically had two decisions: fight for my life back and to do the things that I want in life. And I and I really had strong ambitions. Uh, even at an early age, or just kind of take it at face value. You're only going to get worse, kind of feel sorry for yourself. And to be very clear and honest, that was most of the advice for people in even health groups. It was like, pity yourself, feel bad, talk about your problems. So I really negated that those groups. And I said, I'm just going to take charge and see what happens. Hence the seven different doctors. So I just went out and I just want to stay
0: there for a second (laughs) Yeah, because you were only in your early twenties at this point, but congratulations to you for recognizing that you even had a choice at that point, because unfortunately so many people, when they hear that messaging from their doctors and multiple people and support groups, and it's that same messaging, they don't realize there's another path. They don't realize the power of their own mind to be able to choose a path of healing and believe that you can heal and leave behind what's being told. And you innately knew that. And you're here today as a two-time chronic illness conqueror. Uh. (laughs) And yes, you did all of the work with the doctors and I know you still have more of the story to tell, but I just want to say that that piece, that decision was absolutely integral in you being able to heal and that's the power of our own mind. And so kudos to you. And thank
1: you. Please keep going. (laughs) Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And I mean, I'll touch up on that point too. I, any, anybody that's heard my story has always come up to me and said, what was the secret? How did you do it? Right? Like what, like, give me the blueprint. And I told them, I said, you know, you're not going to like, the answer cuz you want the perfect diet at stage 1 stage 2 whatever but it was my belief in me yes made me try new things every day without giving up hope yes right so it's not yes. that i figured it out and i had like you know obviously I did all this work but it was try one thing one more time end up in yes. the hospital doesn't matter go back home try it again end up in the hospital doesn't matter and that's that's the most difficult part of the journey is you are mentally destroyed. You have no confidence, no one else believes in you. You have to be your own therapist and everyone is around you because they're all panicking. right? How do you become your own rock? Unfortunately, you have to be. All the other stuff is gonna be variables you figure out by, by testing, right? And you know that was kind of foreshadowing into the next process, which was, I hired everybody I could hire. I was like, I don't care who you are, energy healer, great if it's placebo, it's placebo, right? Like, uh, going to monk mode, study meditation. I had a Chinese herbalist, you know, who would make this sludge water for me. You had to steep it for, it was like tea quote unquote. I would never call it tea. You had to, <laughs> yeah. Well, so you would go every week. They would see how you're doing that. They give you all these herbs. Then you got to steep them for five to six hours. That smell gets into the wall. Like it, smells terrible and then you have to you always have to drink it twice a day hot so you have to warm it up and then chug it because it was supposed to like toxin flush you know i i couldn't do it i i would just do it and like like oh yeah anyway so i'm like this is my version of you know if i have to do that again i'm like i'm on the fence
0: (laughs) So, Although you know it worked, and at the time you knew that's totally, what you needed to do. And even totally. though it tasted absolutely disgusting, yeah. When you tell your brain this is what I need to do, you can get it down.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm half joking. Like it, yeah, you know, it, it was bad, and and I'm I'm saying that because it, it just it it's it's a metaphor for these are the things you're gonna go through, and mm-hmm. it's okay. Right. So mm-hmm. that's really what I'm in, in storytelling. That's what I'm telling people is in a fun way this was terrible it's like but you do it because in that moment it doesn't matter it's the right thing to do exactly and you know that's the mindset you have and that's why you try it and you keep doing it and you know I joke but probably saved my life a couple times um and I and I love Herbalist, and I, I would do it all over again of course but um you it doesn't know, mean that, that you that have was... to
0: like it when you do it All
1: over again, which
0: hopefully you don't ever have to do because of all the things that you're doing now. But yes, it doesn't mean mean. you ever have to like it, but that with the mindset that you know it's Mm -hmm. the right thing to do for where you're at in your health journey, you simply do it. Exactly. I think that's really important for people to hear too. Because you had that belief that you could heal, you had that belief that you were going to find all of the different people that could support you on that healing journey. And you were going to follow the protocols they were giving you.
1: Yep, totally. Yeah. And it's kind of like you have to trust it and trust the process and don't judge whatever it is, right? Because I would do anything from, sure, I would do colonoscopies to see what's going on. Uh, I was on a low dose immunosuppressant because I had two MDs, two gastros. Uh, I had a functional medicine doctor, I had a naturopath who was giving me those types of herbs, I had the Chinese herbalist who was giving me, you know what I mean? So it's like, like all the things I didn't judge them. I'm like, I don't care, Eastern, Western philosophy, doesn't matter. This test versus that test doesn't matter, do the test, right? Let's, let's try to get that 1% improvement every single day. Um, And that's really what it's going to take. So the, the story here isn't go hire seven doctors or hire my seven doctors, right? The story was more do what it takes uh, and it might take longer than you expect. You might have to do a lot of things you don't want to do, but is it worthwhile having the rest of your life from where you are today in a better, smaller, healthier and being able to do things you want? It's a no brainer decision, right? Um, Absolutely. You just make it, yeah. And also
0: I think the story too is that it, it can take a team of yep. people working with you. There's not necessarily one you know, perfect way to resolve whatever the health issue is. And you might need to be working with two, three, four, five, six, seven people in order to come through the other side fully healed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of the things that did end up getting a little bit frustrating, which was everybody had a different philosophy on what to do. Do this elimination diet? No, I do that one. Do this hardcore drug? No, do this drug, right? Do this diet? No, do this. So it's like, okay, which one do I start with? Cause you, you all have a little bit of a different take on this. And then it became, I'm doing the experiments, testing different variables and then probably the most painful thing was going back to individually all of them and retelling what was going on right so it actually built in all this inefficiency in in me and my providers cuz i had so much information to share back and forth that it spent a lot of our time versus them you know uh maybe giving me a pep talk when i needed it or adjusting the supplement protocol or trying something new um and that's after about 2 years of me trying really hard is when I started to, you know, I don't think I've been in the hospital ever since after those first years. And it became the the way I knew I was getting better was, well, a like weight gain was one big indicator, obviously symptom reduction, but I could tell like, Oh, I only ended in, in the hospital three times this month versus four, you know, it was like right. the longer <laughs> stints between hospital visits. I was like, this is probably not a bad thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <And> yeah. So <laughs> So uh, after two years, I really felt a lot better. I gained a lot of weight back. Uh, and then it, it really was a test where I traveled Southeast Asia, eating spicy food, street food, things that, again, were told I would never be able to do ever again. And I was like, I'm doing it. And it was because I was willing to experiment. You know, I'm like, this might not be good, but if I believe it's good and I'm healed, then that's going to be a good preface to try it and so that's how i kept building on it um and then you know this long story now coming to to its end was my last colonoscopy i did my doctor was saying i don't want you to get off your immunosuppressant and i said i'm getting off whether you want me to or not so but i would rather have your blessing so he's like i'll cut you a deal we do a colonoscopy If everything looks good, I will give you the blessing, which for an MD is not, you know. Yeah, that's rare. (laughs) Yeah, it's rare, right? He was like, he's not going to budge, so I have to. Um, And I remember I woke up from that colonoscopy. He came and gave me a paper. It said, no signs of disease found. He said, congratulations, you can get off the drugs. And I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, man, what a I love that. Because even though I felt good and I was doing all this stuff, you gotta believe you better believe going into that. I was like, oh, they're gonna find something that's not perfect yet. You know, it's gonna remind me of all my problems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, you know, when I got it, I was like, that's amazing. Now, since then, I've had days where if I go too many days um eating bad things or too much stress you know i'll feel old symptoms mm-hmm. but i know now it's like okay it's an indicator that you're 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 putting in tremendous amount of stress it doesn't mean i have this thing for life so it's not like things can't come back or you can't feel shitty again of course you can if you're doing the wrong things but you know 99 percent of the time i can you know I just travel for 40 days for example anybody with ibd would tell me that's not possible for them right and i'm just here to say look you know, you if you believe in yourself and, and you try and you iterate, good things will happen. I can't promise what happened to me, right? But at the very least, you you have to be willing to take that chance and really do it, not pretend, right? Like that's right. that's kind of the key. And really believe as well, not pretend right.
0: and flip-flop exactly.
1: in that belief.
0: You know, hold yeah. that belief and then hold you, would have had to hold your MDs to that belief even though they didn't necessarily and they had told you that you would never recover. You had to mm-hmm. believe in it so
1: much that they almost started believing in you. Exactly. Yeah. You know, to this day, they, I don't, I don't have them anymore. Actually, they just retired. Um, right. But to this day, there was always contemption in that room. You know, I would say something and they wouldn't like, it. and they would say something and I had to rub it off. Like, I don't care what you say. Right. So yeah, you might be challenging patient, but you're, 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 you're you. (laughs) So if you're not liking your treatment, either change them or push back on them and show them like, you're not going to break my boundaries. Right. And that was, that was definitely a a key moment was like, I knew when I would leave offices, doesn't matter what happened in there. We we keep going like take, take the good that you got out of the combo. Uh, work with your care team uh, to make sure you have them there and they can run tests, but, you know, be, be the one controlling your destiny.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, congratulations for just innately knowing that at such a young age and, you know, you joked before, you shouldn't have had to go through a second chronic illness, but (laughs) look at how that really heightens your story. Yeah. And, your mission in what you are now doing on this earth, and what you're you've been put here to do, and you wouldn't have been able to get here if you hadn't gone through both of those journeys.
1: I completely agree. You know, it, it after that happened to me, I always, every single day of my life, and whether it was subconscious or consciously thought about, okay, there has to be some way that we can track. When I put in my body, how is it responding? Like they're just, we we have all this technology now, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody that's on social media, which if you're listening to a podcast, you probably are, you know that you're being followed on Instagram. You know that they know how many clicks you've done. They know your interests. Like it's all of this technology is here. Like our cars have check engine lights. They tell you when to replace the fuel, like, it it just, it's automated, right? And I was like, the biggest miss is how do we not apply this to our body? We have all this technology. Um, and that's what really led me to, as you mentioned, Thea and, and creating Thea, which is I looked for a solution. I just, there was never a moment where I felt like the technology was good enough to be able to track body metrics or biometrics in a way that was meaningful for me, Right. So there was cool things like, yeah, you have the watch, it looks at how many steps you took, et cetera. But if I'm trying to eat something or taking a supplement or trying a routine, like that's really not going to help that much. And if you're sick, you're not, Necessarily, like how many steps did I take today? You're like, I'm really sick, you know. Right. You know, yeah. so like if I can get out of bed today, it's a good day. Yes, uh, and a lot of days were like that, you know. So I was like, in those scenarios, it's not very useful. Um, and then I found out about biosensors, and more specifically, one biosensor which is called a continuous glucose monitor, or for short, is called a CGM. Um, and the reason that stood out to me was it reads blood sugar levels always on. So it's always reading them. And I understood, okay, hang on. That's a lot different than anything else because your blood sugar levels are a direct correlation to how your metabolic health is doing, right? And if you look at metabolic health as like a category, your metabolism responds to anything in the body. If there's inflammation, your body is going to respond and show in blood sugar levels. If you are hypo or hyperglycemic, or there's something wrong with the organs, it's gonna show in the blood sugar, right? Um, and so I was like, and then seven out of ten diseases that are killing humans today are metabolically related. Yes. So I was like, oh man, this is actually cool technology. And so then I kind of started using it just to see what it's like, but I immediately understood getting raw glucose data or blood sugar readings is not that useful, right? I had to find a way. And for me, it was important if somebody was sick or trying to get better even, right? Or or just trying to enhance their health is how do we make this technology easy to understand not only for the, you know, the client, but how do we get that to their provider? And now the provider actually knows what's going on outside of the office. So it would get rid of, you know, the solution had to get rid of, this whole loop that I went through, which was right now it's in journal, I had like 18 journals from that time, go back, tell them what's going on. They modify the plan, take advice from somebody else, right? It's like mumble jumbled stuff. Um, And so I kind of went out and started researching and started building a team that could kind of make a prototype. And so we made an app that now you could, Hey, log your food or your activities And then we would look at what blood sugar levels are doing after you do the activity. And I could see, hey, I ate this food and it didn't respond that well. Or I ate this food that should have responded well, but maybe there was inflammation and the the blood sugar shows that, right? So I was like, okay, you know, I want to build a company that's going to leverage this technology today. But I know now that in the future, and we're talking to lots of different companies that are coming out with ways to read biometric data in this manner. um, And I say, what was the most important to me was that always on piece, right? Because you can skew a blood test, you know, if you're really sick here or there. But if you fast for five days and do a blood test, it's going to look very different than if you ate and drank six beers the night before, right? It just, it's going to skew those results by percentages here or there, depending on who you are. Right. Um, but really I was like, what would be most useful is if I knew that I was making the right decisions during my journey and didn't have to guess and it automatically sent to my providers. I was like, that was, that was like, what exactly the solution I needed back when I was sick. Um, so, and I love
0: that because it's also, it's make it's letting you know you're making the right decisions through your journey as you go throughout each day, it's not just like once a week, it's literally continuous,
1: right? Right, exactly. And the other kind of caveat is, you might even be making progress, but not feel like it, right? And that Mm -hmm. was the most demotivating. I'm like, I've been on this, I've been on this bone broth diet or whatever, I've been eating this (laughs) raw, right, you know, like rice juice or whatever I was doing, I did all these things. It's like, it's like if I had just a little bit of feedback that said, yes, like it's working or you're doing well or like keep going, it was just the motivation part too was yeah. so much needed, you know, if Absolutely. you didn't have that. So, <clears throat> so yeah. And, and then basically from there, we, we built the tool. We started talking to, we started to really talk to providers because we wanted to see if It was something that doctors and nutritionists or providers or health healthcare workers would want to try out. And we noticed that they were very privy to it. Um, So we started testing it and giving it to people and and, and, uh, applying it. And now, you know, I'm happy to say that we're working with 600 practices that are now using it to monitor their patients or, patients are trying it out and seeing what's going on, they're able to get personalized scores on their inputs. Um, and this was like, really, we, we kind of nailed our first vision of being able to solve metabolic health and give you insight into your body and honor Thea, the other Greek goddess of insight, which is why we named it that way. Um, and that was really cool for me to have that full circle moment because it was such a personal problem for such a young age. Uh, We haven't solved every problem, but it was definitely for the first time I can say we have objective data on the body that matters in real time that you can see now. And we never had that before in life. So that definitely makes me proud.
0: Well, I absolutely love that you have done this because as you mentioned, you know, the top causes of mortality are triggered by poor metabolic health. And so if we can just start there with every individual understanding what's negatively impacting their metabolic health and what's positively impacting so they can make better choices, Mm -hmm. then they can be in control of their health. And I think that's incredible that you've developed this. And I love that you have. And I know when I heard you speak, you had a, a real life example of how people can use it that I absolutely loved. And so correct me if I get this wrong, but it can sense your hunger levels. Is that correct?
1: So that's what we're working on right now. Okay. So, so this the is the future
0: first... of health coming to you or now, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah. So so what we're really working on is the first version of the product, you log, you you log what you're doing and you're getting a personal score on that. You're also getting like a check engine light for your body based on right. your biometric data. So right. That was like the first thing, and now the provider can see that, and they can modify your care plans or supplements or whatever you're doing. Right. Uh, what well, we're really looking to build next, so you didn't miss here, it's just at what stage. Right. Um, we're we are well, we're working with algorithms and AI to be able to the more data we can get on somebody, the more we can accurately understand what's going on with them just by biometric data, like they don't they eventually won't have to tell us, hey, I'm hungry, we'll know because of how their body's biomarkers are responding. Right, And uh, that's kind of the holy grail if we can do that. Because what I want to get to is before you make a decision, can I pattern interrupt you? So you yes. don't make emotional decision. I just make it easy and say, I know you're going to do this on Wednesday. I can pre-order the good option for you, a variation of that thing. And it's also in accordance to what your care plan wants. Do you want us to do that? And you just say, yes. And if I can make it that easy and also maybe earn your points towards your health goals, etc., right? then that's really my big vision of like, how can technology help us? That's where I'd like to go.
0: And I absolutely love that idea of the pattern interrupt of you know, asking, can I order this meal for you ahead of time Mm -hmm. so that it's easier for people to be making the right choices, which further improves their metabolic health. And to have that, you know, in an app in your pocket is absolutely phenomenal. So, Talk to me more about the devices. I know they're available in Canada and the U.S. I don't know if they're available elsewhere around the globe. You can share that. And then is this something that people wear every single day for the rest of their life? Or what does that look like for someone who decides they want to have a continuous glucose monitor, work with the Thea app in order to improve their health?
1: Yeah. So uh, Thea itself, we as a company, we ship within the U.S. and Canada. Now they're available in a lot of places in the world because we didn't invent hardware. Like I said, we when I started playing with the hardware piece, excuse me the wearable, then uh, I realized, you know, it, it just you have to make it easy to action that data. So yes. if somebody is somewhere in the world uh, and they can usually they can buy it off the shelf. It's only prescription only in in the states, uh, which we handle if if people work with us then they can buy a sensor and come on the platform and action that data and see their personalized scoring, et cetera. So we do make that accessible in that way. We are working on eventually making it so that we can ship everywhere in the world. Um, unfortunately, North America is just so much more ahead of, ahead of everybody in those departments, but you know we have a good team behind this working on that. And uh, sorry, what was the second part of that question? I just wanted to make sure.
0: Well, how do people get started? Do they start started. and do they wear it every day for 40, 14 yes. days, 30 days for the rest of their life? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, so I would say very commonly people will do one or three months to start. And I, I never tell people it's this much or that much. It's really gonna depend on where you are with your health. If you're right. somebody that's really sick, you're probably wear it a long time until you feel a lot better. And then it could be a maintenance thing where you're doing, you know, you put on a sensor for two weeks every three months or every other month. Uh, or in certain situations where you're going to have a big impact on health. Like I used um, to travel 40 to Hong days. Kong. <laughs> yeah, traveling yeah. for 40 days. Or like I used to travel to Hong Kong, which is a huge circadian rhythm metabolic shift and new food right yes so i was like i wish i had it back then because i would go go to all these meetings 10 hours a day you know and i was like i wish i had like what was the good input where should i go eat etc and how is that performing for me so you know there's going to be these use cases um and then you have people who are the type a they want one percent improvement every day in life probably going to wear it every day right uh so it just really depends on a you know where are you at what's the goal why are you wearing it is it exploratory is it uh to make you know get rid of something is it going to be part of a health plan now that you just administer to make sure everything is going smoothly um so we never really give advice on how where you should wear it how how much uh i think eventually the technology is going to be good enough where it's super small, very like discreet and hidden, and can last a long time.
0: Mm-hmm. In
1: those scenarios where I see the future, we'll probably have something always there where you know we can get me- metrics at all times and and make sure that everything's fine tuned.
0: And so, with the FEA app, is that free to download? Are there in-app purchases, or once you purchase the Continuous glucose monitor. You just go download the app, and then there's obviously instructions to link it up, etc.
1: Yeah, so we made it easy uh, with our model where if you are buying the sensors through us, everything's included with the sensor. You're getting a prescription from a doctor. We're uh, we're uh, we're charging all the pharmacy fees we have to do on the back end. We send it to your house like an Amazon shipment, you put it on, you get the app, you get weekly insight reports showing you how did you do this week versus last week, you get to log your foods, activities, feelings, et cetera. Any activity you log gets its own score. Cause we're basically just saying log an activity and we'll look at how your body's responding to it. Right? Right. Um, And then on top of that, you also, um, if you're, you know usually people are working with a provider they're getting that data and a dashboard of what's going on with you. So you have this nice synchronous um, relationship now with, with the provider. Um, So all of that's built into the price per sensor. Now, if you have your own sensor or you get it somewhere else, there's a, there's a platform fee. You just say, I brought my own sensor. We'll charge you the fee and then you're on the app and same thing. Uh, Same experience after that. Yeah.
0: Perfect. And if someone isn't working with a provider now but buys one and then they decide they want to start working with a provider, can they add the provider later on?
1: Yes. Perfect. Yeah. So so we definitely throughout the whole process encourage uh, them to add their provider, invite them, um, because you know, we we definitely are provider focused. We make sure that they have this for their patients, but they can always add one or invite one. That's absolutely up to them. Awesome.
0: I love all of this. And I'm super excited to get one myself and then also start using this with my clients as well, because I can absolutely see the value of them having that information in a way that's easy to understand. Like you said, just getting the data before that didn't really mean anything to how it was impacting their overall health wasn't helpful. But now with what you've done is created a platform such that it's meaningful and they can truly see how this meal, you know, benefits me, that meal doesn't, this level of exercise helps me, you know, that level doesn't, right? There's a lot of people that are over-exercising and not realizing it. And that's Mm going to show up here. Absolutely. Yep. You nailed it. So amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having, you know, having gone through your issues, your health (laughs) issues, to get to this place where you, will be able to help so many. And it's actually just blowing my mind as I sit here and think about how this can benefit all of the chronic illness that we have in our world today, which to me is the true pandemic. And, you know, with four in 10 Americans with more than two chronic illnesses, six in 10 with one, 60% of the country has one chronic illness. And this alone could help them start to get on track.
1: Yeah, very well said, you know, we're very much aligned in that mission. And, you know, I think being able to open people, even just to open people's eyes on what's going on when they were blind before or hit it or hit with marketing from every angle on what to do versus like, hey, how about looking inside and we'll show you what's actually going on.
0: I love it. I'm also going to share this with other practitioners that I know because we practitioners can certainly benefit from having more tools to show our clients what they need to be doing and why. So thank you so much, Boris, for your work and what you're doing here. And I love to ask all of my guests this one question. What does don't wait for your wake up call mean to you?
1: Uh, Well, if you, if you listen to anything in my uh, story today, I think, um, don't wait for your wake up call just means honestly, here's, here's, here's where all frustration, I think comes from there's an appointment you need to make that you haven't made. There's a talk or conversation with somebody that, you know, you've wanted to do, but you keep putting off and you'll watch Netflix. If you can just most of the time, 99% of the time, the thought of doing it is so much harder than actually doing it. So I would, I would say, If you can every day do one thing that you really don't want to do, and it can be small, it could be write a note on something, you'll get into the habit of, you know, doing things that might seem yucky or sticky, but become second nature. So I would, I would say that would be my, my takeaway on how to, how to approach that.
0: I love that. So do one hard thing every day. Yeah. And then that just teaches your brain that you can do that and you can then overcome anything.
1: Yeah. Perfect. Love
0: it. So how can people get hold of you if they want to learn more, get the CGM, et cetera, et cetera. I know we'll put links in the show notes, but go ahead and share it here as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you personally want to connect with me, I'm pretty active on Instagram, which is at B-O-R-I-S-B-E-R-J-A-N, Boris Benion. Um, And then if you do want to check out the Thea platform and the app, it's TheaHealth.ai is, is the best place to go. Perfect.
0: And is there any last message you would like to leave with the audience today as we wrap up this episode?
1: Yes, I am desperately trying to avoid having a third uh, chronic <laughs> illness. <laughs> so the more you listen to you know Melissa's podcast and we work as a community to help each other out, I think my mission uh, becomes closer every day. So I just want to say, I appreciate you for listening to this content, for being proactive with your health or even reactive, right? If you're in a bad spot, this is exactly what I was doing when I was sick. So, you know, just want to say it's very encouraging that you're here and, you know, you're doing a great job, no matter how much effort you're putting in. It's effort that a lot of people will not do. And the fact that you're listening to this shows me that you're doing it. So appreciate all of you.
0: That's awesome. Great advice and great appreciation for the audience. I appreciate that, Boris. And thank you so much for all that you're doing and for taking the time to come on the show and share it with the audience so that more people know what's available to them on their healing journey. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And I also want to thank the audience for listening to every single episode, sharing it with your friends and loved ones that need to hear it and continuing to spread the message of the fact that chronic illness does not have to be a life sentence. You can heal, and Boris is a beautiful example of having had to do that twice, and we definitely (laughs) don't want him to have to go through a third.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Melissa. It's been a great pleasure, and I love what you're doing.
0: Well, thank you so much, and until next week, stay healthy.